Welcome to the Startup Smarter Podcast, the best audio show for people who are ready to turn their big ideas into big income. Each week, we explore effective business strategies, guest interviews, and success stories that will help transform the hard grind of starting a business into a smarter and more scalable experience. Here's your host, Joe Johnson. Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Johnson. And on today's podcast, I'm sitting down with my good friend, Brian Winch, who's the author of Clean Lots, America's Simplest Business. Now, before we get into that, we have a quick announcement for you. This is going to be the last episode of the first season of the Startup Smarter Podcast show. We're going to be on a break for a couple of weeks, and then we'll be back with season two. We didn't want to leave you empty-handed, so we put together a free workshop where we teach you how to launch your next product or service in the next 90 days. So even if you have no idea what you want to launch, we'll walk you through what some of the best markets look like, how to validate your offer, and do pretty much what everyone on this show has done and create a dependable stream of income. So to grab your seat at our next free online workshop, head over to startupsmarter.net forward slash workshop. And again, that's startupsmarter.net forward slash workshop. Can't wait to see you there. All right. Now, today's episode is about how a simple cleaning business has generated six figures of revenue for our guest. And it's a lot simpler than what you might think. My guest, Brian Winch, didn't go to college. He didn't have a lot of skills or money. However, he knew how to identify a need and how to create a dead simple offer. And the rest, well, I'll let Brian tell you. I hope you enjoy my episode with Brian Winch. Let's get into it. Brian, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. It's great to be here. So after reading your story, it looks like you were able to make a significant amount of money off a simple side hustle idea in the cleaning niche. So... Tell us about your business and how it came to be. Well, I uh, was 21 years of age back in 1981 when I was working a full-time job as a shipper receiver for a large sporting goods company. And I decided I wanted to do something more with my life than uh, punching in in the morning and putting in my time and punching out at night. I thought, you know, if I really wanted to do something with my life, it would have to be as my own boss. I wanted to put money in my own pockets as opposed to making somebody else rich, if you will. So I was looking at a number of opportunities. At the time, I barely graduated high school, so I didn't go to college. I didn't have a lot of money in the bank and very little skills. So my options, I guess you would say, were pretty limited. So I looked at a number of different types of cleaning services. I I figured that would be the easiest business to start for the least amount of money. And I was looking at different types of niches. And I remember my father had his own side hustle. He used the side hustle to supplement his full-time job as the janitor for the the, the school board here. And uh, what he was doing uh, on the side, back then it was called moonlighting. It wasn't a side gig or a side hustle, but he was cleaning up litter early in the mornings outside neighborhood shopping plaza. And he had taken me along with him a couple of times. And I remember thinking, you know, this is great. This is almost as easy as uh, going for a walk and making money doing it. With that memory in my mind, I thought, well, you know what, let's test the market and see if there's a need for this service. So I started making some phone calls to property management companies, and I can't remember if it was three, four, five, six calls later. Um, 
I got a bite and uh, prospect said, I've got three properties and I'd love to have you take a look at them. Get back to me with prices because I am having a tough time finding somebody who will show up on a reliable basis and clean up the litter from the, the sidewalks, the parking lot and uh, the surrounding landscape. So basically I went out and gave them some prices and started from there. And that's what got the whole ball rolling. That's a really interesting journey. So I'm curious, what did you say to them on the phone once you got them on the phone to really close them down and say, hey, you should definitely try out my service? I kind of refined an elevator pitch. I told them, you know, who I was and what I could do for them and and if they would be interested in a service such as mine. A lot of people said, well, we've got somebody doing that or our landscapers are doing that right now or we're happy with who we use. And But this one uh, prospect that I mentioned that I contacted, his concern was the fact, you know, he already had somebody doing it, but it wasn't to his satisfaction. He was convinced some days they show up and other days they don't. So uh, that's why he was interested to, to hear more about what I could do for him and what kind of pricing I would give him. I was lucky enough to, to get that first contract. That was the base. So they would try your service out, and then if you did well, would you book multiple other locations from that one great experience you provided? In most cases, uh, when I pick up contracts, or property management companies, they're in the business of managing properties, so they have more than one. They typically manage maybe a half a dozen, there could be up to 30 properties. In most cases, they want to try your service out at, at the one property. If they're happy with you there, then they will offer you more properties within their portfolio. With my example with how I got started, he had three properties. He was a small management company. That's all he had. But apparently he was using the same person or contractor at all three. And he wasn't happy with the results he was getting at all three. So he just kind of threw them all three at me at the same time. And I started with the three properties. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. They typically have multiple. So if you do a good job at one, oftentimes it's going to spell you know a bigger deal down the line. I'm curious, do you do it all by yourself or does it get to a point where you're saying, okay, I need to go ahead and hire someone to help me out? Well, the original intent when I started this business was to keep it a simple one-man operation and be able to make a good income. It wasn't just the money that was the motivating factor for me wanting to start a business. It was the independence. It was being able to work for myself, work my own hours, and enjoy what I was doing, working outdoors. So, you know, I didn't want to be confined to four walls uh, from nine to five. So the initial idea was to do it as a simple one-man operation. After a while, of course, if your customers are really happy, they're going to keep offering you more and more work and you make, have to make the decision, am I going to start turning jobs down and potentially allow competitors to, you know, to get a foothold? And I decided, well, you know what, I need to kind of scale up. I brought my brothers into the business and they were aware of what I was doing and they thought it was pretty cool and they indicated a desire to get involved with the business. And so it started with them. And so once they were brought in, you know, we were able to add more properties. And of course, the business continued to grow. We started getting requests from our customers about providing weekend service. Of course, none of us wanted to work seven days a week. Then we started bringing in people that uh, work part-time just for weekend service. And then it further expanded into other people working for us during the week, Monday through Friday, on a part-time basis. It's pretty easy to find people that want to make some extra money and just ties in really nicely because it's an after-hour service. They can do this early in the morning before they go to work if they choose to, you know, to keep their full-time jobs and just look for something on the side. 
and, and so we, we were able to bring a number of people into the business. We're up to about $650,000 a year billing out uh, nothing more than litter pick outside commercial properties. Wow, six figures from a side hustle. That's amazing. So when it comes to per contract, how much on average are you asking for a property? $600 a month, you know, for three days or five days a week. We don't do the big outdoor malls or a lot of the larger developments because those properties tend to have their own people on site. But there are tons of small to medium-sized properties where, you know, they need service, they need litter pick done just as, you know, they need all the other services provided. And property management companies are more likely to contract the workout for for properties of that size. One person, if they're working full-time, can knock off 22 properties in one night. You're actually teaching this business. So I think this is really interesting because at first blush, your program seems something akin to a franchise, but it isn't. Now, how is it different from the traditional franchise model? Well, I don't charge royalty fees. There's really no benefit to this being franchised. I, I did look into that concept quite a number of years ago, but it's such a simple business, such a simple idea. We're not dealing with consumers. It's a business to business. Most of our customers are property management companies. They tend to be mom and pop operations, much as, uh, as ourselves, where they're located in just a single city, as opposed to being all over the country. Of course, there's always some of the large real estate management companies like Collier's International or C.B. Richard Ellis or Coldwell Bank or Commercial that have offices in the larger cities throughout the country. But by and large, uh, the people we deal with are, are located in, in just the city in which you operate, and they frankly don't care that they're dealing with a franchise. Their main consideration is, you know, will you get the work done? And, you know, can you provide a, a good service at a good price? But with that in mind, I decided to write a book or an operations manual, similar to what someone would receive if they did buy a franchise and provide free support. So if somebody buys my book and they want to get started and they're serious about this, my contact information is in the book. They can either give me a call, my office number, or uh, my email address, and I'm more than willing and happy to, to help them out and, and join the movement of making sure America is beautiful. Awesome. Now, it was really smart for you to go ahead and say, let me put down a manual so that way I can teach this, right? And then go ahead and build the business that way. So I'm curious about how you went about designing and creating your program. Walk me through that process of, okay, this comes first, this comes second. How did you go about that? Well, this has evolved over quite a few years. I was in the business for about four years when I thought, you know, I was so lucky to get into this. I remember my dad doing this and I was glad to, you know, provide him a legacy, if you will, and build this in his memory. But I, I started putting different ideas down on paper, and it all started in the form of a very crude little book. And I um, just did a, some research, and I looked at uh, what other opportunities were out there, and, and if they came in the form of an operations manual or a book, I just would purchase some of that material and just see how they had written and how they put their program together. And it all kind of started from there. And of course, over the years, it's been revised several times, so I've had to update information. But it was basically a learning experience. I was learning the business as I went along and continually make revisions and notes. You know, once I came across this great tool that I use to this day that has made my work so much easier. I contacted the manufacturer and found out, okay, well, you know, can I include you in the book and send people directly to your website if you're interested in buying this tool? And, um, you know, little things like that. And, and the book always it continually was revised and pretty much in the latest form, I think it's pretty thorough and, and everything that you need to know about starting this business is in it right now. 
So yeah, it's an updated piece of information. It's constantly evolving. And right now it's in its best iteration. I like that. All right. So let's say that I, an average guy who's, you know, working an office job, I purchase your book. How many of these deals can I be expecting to close down in say, let's say the first month or the second month? Well, that depends on your work effort and how ambitious you are. Some people have been lucky where they close a deal the first week. In some cases, it might be a month or so after that. You have to understand the property managers are very busy people. They're babysitters. They're inundated with communications every day, uh, phone calls, text messages, emails, and they're always putting out fires. Having said that, though, they're always interested to learn about uh, ways where they get cleaner property for less money. So they are receptive to hear offers. But the whole point of your marketing is to try to reach the decision maker and then contact them and give them the heads up that you're sending them information. And potentially, if you do talk to them or correspond with them in an email, they ask for more information. You've developed a good relationship. And it goes from there. It might take several communications. You might be lucky to get an answer within seven to 10 days. The point I'm trying to make is you have to be patient and persistent, and eventually you will be rewarded. Good advice. Okay. So yeah, take your time with this, you know, go through it step by step. Now in your program, does it cover how to outsource the work so that someone can work in, let's say sales and someone can work in like servicing the properties? Does it cover stuff like that? I have a whole section on finding people to work for you, what questions you should answer. I suggest when you first start this out, you know, you learn everything about the business. You're providing the service, selling the service, because you understand the business better that way. You know, providing customer service, a lot of it is just simple common sense. But for some people, it may be more of a challenge for them to handle sales. I hear some people say, you know what, Brian, I've never sold anything in my life. I can't do this. But if you think about it, we're all salespeople. I mean, when you're a kid and you wanted that allowance, you wanted a raise, you learn how to sell yourself to your mom or dad to justify why you should get that extra money every week. Later, when you started dating, you sold yourself to whoever it was that you were interested in, you know, trying to get a date. And and then, of course, it continued to evolve when you were looking for employment, whether it be part-time or maybe when um, you're looking for that full-time job, you're competing with people for that same position. So you have to sell yourself. And with that mindset, and if you understand that what I call warm calling, you know, when you're contacting people, you're not trying to sell anything in that first contact. You're just trying to gather information. Who is the decision maker? And, you know, who should I send my message to? And remember, sell the benefits. You're not selling features. Sell the benefits, how your service will benefit somebody and, you know, give them a better, cleaner property for less money. And of course, they're interested. Be persistent. You know, patience is rewarded. That makes sense. Sell the benefits, not the features, right? Sell what people care about. Really, really smart stuff. All right, we're nearing the end of the interview and I had a couple more questions for you. What's something that you're grateful for that's been a direct result of running your own business? Well, I'm grateful for the success that uh, this business provided me. I have a a great lifestyle. I enjoy the hours that I work and uh, it allowed me to get a lot of nice things in life, uh, to travel, to meet a lot of people. And so I'm eternally grateful for that. And it looks like you built quite the business for yourself. One question we ask all of our guests is if you had to start over from the very beginning, day one, what would be your number one smart tip for launching a successful business? I would say do one thing better than anyone else. A lot of people seem to think, oh, well, you know, if my customer wants this, I've got to do that and I've got to do that. And unfortunately, a lot of companies wind up being a, a jack of all trades, but 
quite frankly, master of none. It's better to do one thing better than anybody else. Specialize, become the expert in your field. And I think that's what's going to be more of a formula for someone's success than trying to do everything. Great, great insight. Again, Brian, thanks for taking the time to jump on the show and share what you know. Where can people go to learn more about what you're up to? Well, you can go to my website, cleanlots.com. There's all sorts of great information on there. There's a brief three-minute video that actually shows me performing my service. You know, they say a picture or a video is worth uh, a thousand words, and you you get a really good idea as to to what this business is all about by uh, clicking that video link on my website. And there's all sorts of information, frequently asked questions, testimonials, and of course, the uh, contact page if you have any uh, questions to reach out to me that way as well. So that's cleanlots.com. Very nice. And we'll be sure to go ahead and add all those links up onto the website. Brian, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Joel. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Brian Winch, author of Clean Lots, America's Simplest Business. Some of my biggest takeaways from this episode was how he was able to validate his idea before he spent any money on it. He said he had this idea about cleaning lots for property managers that wanted to keep their properties looking nice for potential buyers, but he didn't know if they would pay for something like that. So instead of wasting time building an expensive website, buying 500 business cards, he went directly to the source and he called up some property management companies and then asked them, is this something that you would be interested in? Would you be willing to buy this type of service? After a couple of calls, he got his yes. And that's how he started, right? He didn't waste time on the unnecessary things. He went right to the source. Really smart stuff. Because he did such a good job with his first client, they gave him three additional properties. And as time went on, his business continued to grow and he had to make a choice. Does he book his calendar from top to bottom with jobs and then turn down new requests? Or do you bring in the additional help? So when he was faced with that decision, Brian knew that he needed to get some help. Otherwise, he'd be letting his competitors come in and start taking work away from him. So it was really smart for him to bring on one of his family members to help him with the business so that way he could scale really quickly and then take in more clients. Lastly, I love his selling philosophy. You know, sell the benefits, not the features. And when he was on the phone talking to would-be clients, he made it a point to say, okay, the first call should be all about information gathering and not the close. And that's really important. Then he focused on moving the relationship further by figuring out how he can provide a specific solution to a very specific problem, right? He didn't go broad. He didn't say, we'll help you with X, Y, Z. He said, hey, where are you hurt? Let me see if I can provide you a solution. Really smart way of going about it. Now, Brian has a lot of resources over on his website, but one thing that Brian did was he sent us a bonus video clip of what his business looks like. So if you want to check that out, you can head over to startupsmarter.net forward slash podcast and look for episode 18 to get all the links from this episode, as well as take a peek at that bonus video. Again, since this is the last episode of season one, we're going to be off for a couple of weeks. I want you to go ahead and check out our free workshop where we're going to be teaching you how to launch your next product or service in the next 90 days. So go ahead, grab a seat at our next free online workshop and head over to startupsmarter.net forward slash workshop. This episode has been lovingly edited and produced by our intern, Eric Mercado at Startup Smarter. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode number 18 and season one of the Startup Smarter podcast. This is Joe Johnson signing off, and I'll see you on the next episode.